This is real judge talk. What goes uh, on in that little curtained off area at the team? Welcome to JudgeCast. My name is Jess Dunks, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Brian Prilliman, and Doyle Rules, and our guest host, Eric Levine. Hello, Internet. CJ is unfortunately not with us today. CJ Schrader couldn't make it, but uh, we're going to push ahead and do the best we can without him. We were discussing earlier that this is, he usually keeps the organization going, so this could be a little interesting. Bear with us today. You think we ramble aimlessly? With with CJ on, oh yeah. So and now we've got Mr. Levine in the mix too. Oh, it's gonna get rambly up in here. So speaking <laughs> of Mr. Levine, Eric, why don't you introduce yourself to the internet for people who don't already know you? Hello, I'm uh, Eric Levine. I'm level three from uh, Redwood City, California, and I guess soon to be from Amherst, Massachusetts. Now I used to work running a magic shop, and now I'm going to business school. I judge tournaments. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have, I, I write commander articles. That's about it. That's what I do. So wait, you're moving to Massachusetts? Massachusetts? Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah. you're, you're, you're passing, you're passing from Sean Cantonese to Sean Dartrey. Yeah. Are they having like a, like a ceremonial passing of the Levine? I'm, I, if, ceremony. if they're having it, I haven't been informed. It probably involves robes and masks and eyes wide shut by Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, well, well, I want to go now. I want to go. Well, we have a we have an interesting topic today. A little bit later today, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about investigations. Oh, we're going to get into it. We are definitely getting into it. Uh, Eric uh, is is very qualified to talk about that, and I'm excited to hear him talk about it. We first have a couple of other judge related newsy type stuff to talk about, though. Did you guys did you guys see that email from Andy Heck? That was some email. Oh, yeah. That was you had that, that was a long email. I was right. I don't think I've ever seen one that long from him. No, he doesn't usually. He's he's a he's a talker, not a writer. Uh, that's, yeah, that's that's. I think the only email I've ever actually is that like him a had, lover, not a fighter. It's kind of like that. It's a little bit. Okay, a little bit. <laughs> only like Andy Heck. Andy Heck, lover and a talker, not a writer and a a writer and a fighter. fighter. He might be a writer. A fighter. A fighter. I don't know. I don't I'm, know. I've seen evidence of neither, so we'll just have to leave that up to. Yeah, up but to you are folks. you sure he's a lover? See, that's the other thing. See, I'm not. That's the thing. I've I've seen evidence of none of these things. I think we should let the internet start rumors to whatever it needs to be. Yep. Just so that apparently our news is maybe that maybe uh, that could be our next contest. <laughs> start, a rumor, start a rumor about Andy Heck. Oh God. <laughs> Hang on, I've just gotten another email. We're all fired. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, now that we're not judges anymore. <laughs> Surprisingly, that was a very short email. <laughs> just a Donald Trump so, gift. Come on. So, so the so the first thing in this in this email is he's talking about first. Let's hear the last six months. Uh, we've had overall growth of almost just shy of 15% in six months. That's pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. Think about the time Uh, it takes to, you know, train a judge, right? That's, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of person hours. How much time does it really take to test a judge, though? You know, like with the new L1 standards, I've, I've seen an unfortunate number of people that, that want to test right away. Like they're like, oh, I know everything. I want to test right now. Sure. But who's letting, who's doing that? 
I don't know, and I'm afraid there are people doing that. That's my problem. Yeah. Well, for those of you out there doing that, stop it. I never <laughs> tested nobody right away, except maybe Jess Dunks, but that was different. And Luis Fernandez, you told me. Yeah, well, special circumstance. Yeah. So anyway, for L1 growth, overall 13.8% in the, in the let's say, the southeast USA, 36.3%. That's me. That's that's our region. Yeah, that's because y'all had some catching up to do. I don't even think I need to dignify that. <laughs> uh, Russia had 43.8%, which is huge. L2s? Is huge? Russia. What's that? You know what else Russia. is huge? Russia. What? Russia is huge. Russia is very large. But, I mean, I guess the, the habitable, the, the, the habit, the lived in areas. My lexicon's not working. Are not are not as as voluminous as the rest of the country. I'm trying furiously to figure out a Rocky Three joke I can make, <laughs> or a Yakov Smirnov, and nothing's coming up. Yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, finding it either. Hi, Maria. <laughs> L2 growth is 22 percent, with Italy having 64.8 percent growth in the L2 area. Oh, wow. Of course, we're, we're like ooing and aahing over these numbers. It might actually be just going from like four judges to five or, you know, four judges to uh, seven or something like that. But still, this is verifiable, though. We can we can you, you, viewers. You, too, can look this up. Probably if you can. Yes. Viewers. And then and then L3 growth is eight point five percent. I mean, we needed them. We needed these people. Like we needed, yes, we, we needed more people who could fill these roles because, I mean, as we get more and more L1s and as we change the definition for L1 and as we move toward, you know, well, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of the email. Yeah, but in in the in the southeast with L1 growth, thirty thirty six point three percent, we're still having uh, I don't want to say problems, but we're still stretching a little bit to meet the demands of the stores that are in the area. So, I mean, it might be in part because. Uh, uh, you know, Magic has been having these 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 last few amazing years, and more stores are opening up. Yeah, I was gonna know, say which... this. This sounds like the good version of this problem. Yeah, it is. So, woot woot. Hopefully, our listenership base is increasing by the same percentage that the oh. judges is growing by. That'd be really easy. We have to add like one guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hey, sure, I'm sure someone's listening to us somewhere. Hey, Internet, it's a start. If you're out it's there. a start. So, so, wow. So picking apart this email, there's a lot. So we've got a lot of statistics, uh, but I, I feel like, I feel like the, the, uh, and, and that's, that's awesome. But the good stuff, the, or the, the, the meat of the, the email is, is, is right after we're like almost, almost at the really interesting part. Right. So, yep. So there's so, a lot of stuff in here about, you know, finding out – it starts off saying if you don't think you're at the right level, check with your regional coordinator on how to advance. And then it starts to tell you whether or not you're at the right level by telling you what it means to be all of these these different levels. And I really like this because, you know, this is the – we've talked about redefining the levels, but we haven't had a very verbose explanation of it until now. It's always been like one and two sentences for each level. Yeah. I mean, and there's there's stuff about it on the wiki, but it's I don't think it's ever I don't think we've ever gone and sent an email that said you know on 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 Judge L anyway that said hey this is what L ones do this is what L twos do this is what L threes do this is what L four right. and five I like I like the fact that okay so it's it says level ones judge regular REL events and are the main invoice to the retail community and I really I really like that because 
I think that statement right there puts a lot of value on the L1s, you know, be, being the main envoys to the retail community, uh, as, as opposed to this, this feeling of, uh, uh, I'll say being stuck in the store. Sure. You know, and, and, you know, if, if, if you're an L1 and you feel undervalued because you feel quote unquote stuck in a store, you know, keep look at look just just reframe it as you are for that particular retail community. You are, uh, you know, an ambassador of the game at that location. Sure, I mean, I'd be willing to say that that the the you know, as as far as Hasbro is concerned, anyway, the most important magic is the magic that's happening in those retail stores. Yes, I mean those F- those L ones, you know, those people running F and M are the people who you know who who keep people coming to play or or turn them away one or the other and and so we 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 have to value these the l1s who are who are in the stores doing that job because it's it's really important for magic if magic wants to keep having organized play right well and and another thing if you're if you're an l1 and you're in a store and you feel undervalued by the store then then you may need to address that as well that's an issue i've seen um and i hope that this idea of them being envoys to the retail locations is also portrayed through uh wizards play network to the tournament organizers uh the value of an l1 as opposed to just someone they can kind of take advantage of, which a lot of L1s, they don't know anything about what they should expect from a store that they're judging at and get taken advantage of. Yes. And it, and so. it says, it's, it says in the email, L1 judges are rewarded and recognized most directly by these partners being, being the local, the local stores. Right. And, so, they, and they need to be. That's right. a good thing. Um, yep. so like, but that's not all an L1 can be. Either. And we're actually, it talks about that as well, that, you know, veteran L1s who are experienced in running events, studying the IPG can, they can head judge Grand Prix trials and that they're sometimes selected to judge at Grand Prix to assist with public events. But that moving forward, we're not going to be using L1s on the main event floor. How do you guys sure, feel about four Grand Prix? Four Grand Prix, yes, four Grand Prix specifically. And actually, I mean, I'm just I'm just now getting a message. Let's bring CJ in on this because he's he is now here. Oh, great! So, no, no, <laughs> no. We're doing fine without him. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and add him to the call, and we'll we'll see where that goes. You know, you Jess, need... if you keep if you keep backsliding, I'm going to have to delete his number from your phone. Oh, you can do that. I don't know. What? We can do that right now. He... So delete CJ because you see from- in this scenario CJ is your ex girlfriend or ah. ex boyfriend. It I you know really I don't it doesn't, it doesn't I don't matter. understand where you're going with this. I, I have no <laughs> idea. Let's talking just, about let's bring CJ into the X rated judge cast stormtrooper helmets. I don't understand. <laughs> CJ, welcome to your show. Oh hey guys. Hey, CJ. Uh, hey. I just, had, I just got accused of having formerly been in a relationship with you. Uh, you missed that. That's that's pretty much what I said. <laughs> is, it, is it accusing when it's incorrect or correct? <laughs> you just blew that joke. That yeah, yeah. yeah I did. I'll fix it in post. Don't worry about it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be hilarious. So anyway, we were just talking about Andy Heck's email, and we're at the part where he's talking about veteran L1s uh, assisting with public events at Grand Prix, but not being used on the main floor of a Grand Prix. Uh, so what do, what do you guys think, what is your opinion on 
on this policy change. It's something we've been moving towards for a while, but this is the first time I've seen it really said, this is what we're doing. Uh, it was basically an effect at GP Atlanta. Yeah, we had the L1s at Atlanta were uh, the ones who were testing on some who had been who'd been like earmarked for testing were they were able to spend some time on the main event on Saturday. And then when public events geared up, that's where they moved over. And then the other L1s who uh, were not testing were over there majority of the day. So it was it was pretty much in effect at that point. Um so I th- I think that it's an expectations it's a little bit of expectations management because a lot of people when they're you know when they're L- the L0 and they're they're working towards becoming an L1 they have this expectation of I'm going to be able to go to these you know I'm now a judge judge means I get to go to these big events and we have to make sure that they understand you know that there are levels and tiers within the within the system uh that represent your level of knowledge now fortunately there is no i'll say time requirement between level one and level two it's more demonstrating your capability and what you've been able to accomplish and what you know so you're not uh hampered in 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 that regard it's like oh man i gotta be an l1 for six months before i can test for an l2 um i you, you say that as a fortunately thing, but I think that there's a certain amount of maturity that you get from from running events uh, oh, yeah. that some people miss out on when and I've, I've seen this with some people that since that change went straight from L1 to L2 in a very short period of time. Uh, well, it's they miss out on it's 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 both. It's yes and yes and no. OK, I think if you go if you go into it. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that as a don't get discouraged. You can you you can still you know you can go from L1 to L2. You know, uh-huh. uh, however, at the same time, you you still need to show certain things. Right. But it's not like you're being artificially held back by a calendar. Ah, I see what you mean. Yeah, okay. that's that's a good thing. Okay, if if you are if you are if you are capable and you are ready to to move into to move into the L2 spot, then then go for it if you're hey look i did all the box checking on this checklist now i deserve l2 and yet you know the l3 talking to you is like well there's this 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 that we need to work on from a maturity standpoint and from a being able to be a head judge of a of a, of a small competitive event aspect then no. I mean, it's it's kind of a, the, the the whole thing is kind of interesting. I mean, because the 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 time when I when I really got into judging was when Ricky Hayashi said to me, he said, you know, when I was an L1 and I'd been an L1 for a couple months and Ricky Hayashi said to me, "Come to Grand Prix Denver, Grand Prix Denver 2008," which for anybody who was there was a, a pretty pretty awful event for the judges for various reasons, but I I fell in love with it and while I'm a little sad that 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 experience is a little further away time wise from the from from you know the highly motivated among the L1 crowd, I also think that it's it's a good thing not just for expectations management among the judges, but for uh, you know of of will I get accepted to this event? Well, if you're L1, probably not, or you'll be doing public events. But it's also good for expectations management for the players. I mean, these are these are events where we go out and we very directly represent you know Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro and and their brand to not just the players you know at the event but with more and more coverage just even including video coverage p- just people all over the world so i think it's 
it's good for players to be able to expect, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a certain caliber of judge. You know, players don't know who our, you know, local L1 heroes are, and, and it's too bad that they don't, but they, they know what L2 means, or they know what they think L2 means. <laughs> Speaking of L2, did anything change or was brought to light in this, this email about L2 that we can talk about? I mean, uh, uh, I mean, I feel like it's pretty much what we head, already understood. Yeah. Head judge of events smaller than 100 expected players. Y- yeah. Was, yeah. I, I can see L, L, L2 is... There, L2, I think, has a larger range now than it used to be, like a new L2 versus a, a an L2 who's close to L3. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, there's a, there's definitely so, a larger gap there, I think. Right. Yeah, that's true. So, so, but I, I don't, you know, I think I'll, I'll say, I'll say, you know, the, the average L2, yeah, hundred, hundred, hundred of players. It's fine. Yeah. And that's what this is. Uh, that's what this is about. Yeah. And L, uh, L2 wants to mo- judge it more than one store. Yep. Sure. They're willing to travel, train, and mentor other judges to accomplish. That's pretty much in line with. Yeah, I don't. I don't really see a whole whole lot in here about different expectations of an L two. Well, this is the first time I've seen a number for events that they should be running. Like as far as people, yep. um, I've heard L threes mention this number, but I've never seen it in anything. Um, what do you mean number of what? I expected players, players at their event. Oh, I, I've I've heard some people say, oh, well, L twos are only supposed to judge this many people. And I'm like, well, where did you get that? I've never heard that. Uh, and then the and then the L three plus cl- clams up, right? Right, exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. We do that when we realize we... we say something that's that we when when we forget that we're talking about an email that's not on Judge L. Uh, that's what happens. <laughs> so so if you ever all the times I do that when we're talking, that's why. Well, well I saw I saw a list uh, that went to I guess this was several several months ago, but it was like when they started doing the the PTQs at stores they they sent a list out to the stores that got ptqs as to you know how many players are you expected what level judges are you expected to have yeah that's right Uh, i remember that 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 thing was insane it was insane it was like it was like up to 120 players you're fine with what is it it was one judge up to 80 players and then two judges up to 120 ah you're fine if they're experienced judges i'd be okay with that but let's, if they're not, let's, then that's awful. Well, let's think about this from a different perspective, though. I mean, there are, there are markets outside the U.S. where, I mean, if you can get one judge for your 80 players, you're probably doing a pretty good job. Right, but if the letter's going to the U.S. markets, meh. Sure. Well, I, can, I can see that. Anyway, we're, 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 we're going we're way far off topic. <laughs> right. We could nitpick on this email for a while. Is there it's anything rent- else in it that... that uh, it was interesting or that our listeners might want to know. Well, I mean, there's the, the kind of the hot topic at the very end of this email, right? Oh, well, that's nobody what, cares about that. Yeah, and, <laughs> but that's, that's not what everyone's talking about. All of us what L2s level, and L3s. What a level 5 means? What? <laughs> uh, right. They, man, they manage L4s. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's this, this this whole Judge Foils thing and, and how the distribution on this is going to work. That's, that's uh, And that's that's interesting because, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys. It's not my podcast. 
Well, I, I mean, I'm going to ask for your opinion in a minute, so you might as well just give it to us now if you're on it. Yeah. So. Sure. Well, I mean, the the interesting thing about it, this is that you know we're we're the the declaration that that the purpose of foils is to recognize you know judge judge training and 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 so on and such like basically mentor mentorship right I think is the word that he used I don't I don't have the email in front of me because I have my other notes in front of me about what I'm going to talk about later he but, says the intent of judge foils is to recognize judges and improve and grow judge quality by promoting appropriately appropriate experiences for judges to do so foils are used to incentivize judges to mentor other judges and improve their skill yeah so, so what I find interesting about this is that this is the first time I've seen this specifically stated it says the judge program's purpose is to recruit and develop the quality uh the quality of judges to improve the player experience of organized play so basically judging is a giant pyramid scheme <laughs> your job Absolutely. as a judge is to recruit more judges well i mean <laughs> but it's to a certain extent it's true it's very true pretty darwinian and make more mans yeah yeah to proliferate the judge program we are and, a cult Oh. <laughs> did it just hit you? Did it? Did it just like I was so? Well, I was talking to well, Alexi Gusev about this at at Star City Games Las Vegas, not the most recent one, but the the prior one to that. And when I said it was like it was like a pyramid scheme, he said exactly the same thing. He went, "Oh my god, it's like a cult." Uh, <laughs> And well, he had this look of wide-eyed recognition. It was funny. Well, Alexi, the, much as I love him, is not is not the the worldliest of men <laughs> at, at, at all of like nineteen. But. The the MTG cast, uh, the Monday Night Magic uh, host uh, Chewy, is always telling me that the judge program is like a big giant cult where all we want to do is like we just join us, <laughs> join us, and you know. In some respect, it's true. It's like you're talking to somebody and you're like, hey, you're pretty good with the rules. You want to be just – come on in. Join yeah. the family. Drink the punch. The yeah. spaceship's coming on the comet tail. Eric in is six a months. master of this. I have seen him, like, look across the room at, at uh, the game store to reach into someone else's conversation verbally and go, did you just use the words Chains of Mephistopheles and fun in the same sentence? Would you like to be a judge? <laughs> I Point of I don't order. know if anybody's if anybody's actually ever said that. Yeah. <laughs> Point of clarity, I have not made this gentleman a judge. This did not occur. I would think I would think masochist might be a better <laughs> So anyway, anyway, since, Judge Foils. Since Judge since the goal of Judge Foils is to uh, uh, incentivize judges and to recognize judges for improving and growing the the judge quality and experience and and making more judges, making more mans, there is they're changing the way that it is supposed to work. Now, Judge Foils have always been a uh, a reward. Okay. Uh, from like a thank you from wizards. Yes, it is exactly. not at GPs. It is not part of your compensation, even though you know they get them. They go right to the vendors a lot of times, and here you go. Here's money. Uh, that they are not part of your compensation. Your compensation is worked out between you and the TO. And that sort of puts them in an awkward place, especially with um, just with with various things like when the foils rotate and this and that. 
because you know they're because they're not compensation because they're a thank you we're you know we're we're we we don't always know exactly what's happening with them but yet we kind of take them for granted and say hey well i'm going to use these to pay for my my trip and this and that and the other thing and it's it's kind of a they're kind of in a weird spot right so so since with regard to the 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 pro tour says that the pro tour is the pinnacle of magic competitive play uh, with training primarily happening at Grand Prix and conferences, the Pro Tour is more about demonstrating the best quality of judges, so there is less training than the prior model and therefore less foils. So how, how, how was this announcement received in the L3 Plus community, Eric? I mean, no one, no one has really squawked about it much, I'll say. I mean, without, without breaching anything confidential, I can say that no one's really complaining. I mean, when you go to the Pro Tour, Wizards, you know, it, 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 Brian, you've, you've been, you, you went to, to, to Honolulu. And so, yes. you know, you know how this works. You get, you yes. get, you get a contract in advance of the event and you, you, you do some work and, and you get paid an amount that will, you know, cover your trip and hopefully then some. Correct. And yes. that's, you know, that's the story of, of how I had enough money to take Emily to Hulu and propose to her. So thank you, Wizards. Nice. But and that, that's, which, for those of you on the show that didn't know, Eric is getting married in the not too distant future. I am getting married. Age. So congratulations, yep. Eric. What? Thank you. What? Yeah, I got engaged back at the PT in February. <laughs> got engaged at a Magic Pro Tour. Well, uh, before the Magic Pro Tour. <laughs> it was a really nice place to to get engaged at, I might have actually accepted had he proposed to me. <laughs> Very nice place. <laughs> well, you were you were on my list. You oh, were, you, were, you were you were I think fourth on my list. In case. <laughs> and, I mean, I, I had this ring. I wasn't going to waste it. Um, <laughs> just, I just had. I'm just happy to have been nominated. About, how does Emily feel about being three spots above Brian Brilliman? Well, I mean, you know, she knows she knows that's how I live. If she says no, I just leave her in the ocean and move along. But <laughs> see, this is the advantage of Emily being in a, a program where she's not allowed to speak English. She can't go listen to this. Um, but uh no i'm i'm kidding but but the the money the money covers the money covers your trip which is you know different from what happens at a gp i'm not going to be able to cover my trip by selling you know a couple of boxes at, at 70 each depending on how far i'm I'm going and what my hotel room's like and, and this and that that's true so now, on the flip side of that though uh the judge conferences where there is a ton of learning that goes on yes um, is is kind of where they're going to be focusing a lot of this uh the these judge foils right like they're going to continue giving them at, at judge conferences and that's kind of what they want people to view them as is a reward for learning or slash teaching right yeah and i think that i think that that comes sort of with an increased level of expectation for these conferences i don't i i feel like it wasn't it wasn't really said but i think it was implied i think i think they're they're looking for people to go and actively participate and not just you know show up and claim their dark confidant and I think I think that's that's important because you know it, when you're when you're sitting around talking about judging for for eight hours or whatever it can be easy to to zone out a little bit as it, as it is in any environment. So the the big thing that I, I got from this is so so let's so let's talk at GPs and 
and conferences where you know that where most of the learning is being done most of the education is being done it's the l3s are teaching the l2s the l2s are teaching the l1s or and the l3s are teaching the l1s as well um they are changing the way it works so right now normally at a gp everybody gets what's you know what's called a foil pack and then at judge conferences you get uh, like a half pack so, yeah six a six card conference packet a six card conference pack they're changing the model and from this i get that following pro tour return to ravnica they're now going to be for both grand prix and conferences they're going to be packs that are appropriate for your level. For an L2, for an L2, the pack is about the size of a GP pack. So whether it's a conference or a GP, and that's uh, that's what I'm getting out of this, uh, you get a pack that is roughly the same size as a GP pack now for an L2. L1, or sorry, L3s, because you are responsible for teaching the, uh, not only teaching the L2s, but also the L1s as well, you get an L3 pack, which is... 50% more than the L2 pack. And an L1, since you are the recipient of the learning that is being bestowed upon you, you are getting a a, a pack that is 50%, I think it's, was it? Yep. 50% less, 50% less than the L2 pack. Yeah, I mean, for so, the, the idea being mathematically, for every every judge level you have up to three, you get one one unit of unit. judge foils. Right, with with two units being a standard GP pack, and one unit being what is now a conference pack, roughly. Yep, and all this will start after October 20th, which is Pro Tour Return to Ravnica. Right. So, I'm cool with that. It, it is a little it is a little weird when we when we say, like, you know, L1s are the, you know, super important, and they're the main, the, they're the main envoy to the, to the retail store, and we talk about the importance of them, and then it's like, well, you get less less foils now sure uh, but at the same but at the same time uh you're you're getting other things like you're going to these conferences you're probably not the ones presenting mm-hmm. you're you know uh you're probably not the ones putting on the conference managing the conference that kind of thing you're going there the value is in the education that you are getting from going there Exactly. That's that's I, and I think that's exactly the message we want to we want to be we want to be delivering to people. It's not it's not that we're saying L ones are bad, so you get less stuff for being bad. It's it's a recognition of the fact that there's a lot of L ones now, and L one is different than it was a couple of years ago. And you know, in order, I mean, realistically, if we give out tens of thousands of judge foils, what are they worth anyway? You know, right. So we can't we can't just we can't just be throwing them in the air and screaming hallelujah. We have they have to actually be hopefully worth something because that's, that was an impressive mental image, though, of an yeah, entire GP staff staff throwing all of their judge foils in the air <laughs> and screaming hallelujah. Poor decision. Well, right. <laughs> I'm not throwing them in the air. I'm crawling all over the floor and picking them up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's happening. Um, well, so, the last little change they mentioned here is that uh, Dark Confidant is being booted from the conference packs, which, to be 100% honest, I didn't know it was in there. So I guess I, I haven't been to a conference in a while. I was actually surprised that they even brought that up. Like, it was kind of surprising to me that this has anything to do with what we've been talking about in this. Yeah, I, I think, may, I guess there's a segment of the community that loves their bobs. I mean, 
Eric, Eric alluded to it earlier. It's it's the whole rotation thing, right? People try and figure out when their GP packs are going to to rotate, and if you're, you know, maybe that's a card that you're counting on being there when, and you factor that into your decision right. to and travel to a conference. I guess I, maybe. I will say it's a little weird that you know, um, you know, I've I've asked questions just because I thought it was an okay question to ask. I asked, okay, you know, when when they said that the foils this year were going to be rotating independently of the Pro Tours at Grand Prix. I said, okay, well, when when is that going to happen? And the response I got was basically, we're not we're not releasing that information. And I said, oh, okay, that's fine. Because the idea is they don't want people gaming the system and everybody applying to the GP because, because there's new foils at the GP. And I get that. That makes sense. But then to go and say, by the way, Confident goes bye-bye uh, on this date is kind of a weird end around on that policy. So I don't know. I don't know what that means for the future, but we'll see. I just, I just kind of saw with the with the GPs not announcing when it was going to end. It was sort of like, hey, we'll rotate the pack when we when we hit a certain quota of what we've given out. That's like, the idea, yeah, yeah. And with with Dark Confidants, they they say in the email that future Dark Confidants will be reserved for, you know, special promotions or that kind of thing to individuals. So probably, probably just means they're starting to get kind of low. Sure. That makes sense. They, they, I mean, they only print them once. So, so we have managed to spend about half an hour on this email. Ooh, let's move Um, on. Let's, let's, uh, (laughs) let's go to something else here. More Stormtrooper talk. Hold on. Let me say one last thing though. If you were, you know, if these are guaranteed to be in judge foil packets from conferences, then hey, one of your last chances to get one would be during the judge conference during the, uh, Atlanta Star City Games Invitational, September 20th to 21st. If you wanted to apply to that, I'll post the link in the show notes. It ain't no big deal. Ain't no thing. Ain't no, Ain't no thing. thing. Ain't no you know, thing. we're going to have some great conferences Thursday night. That's September 20th. Probably try to repeat as many of them as we can Friday evening or Friday afternoon. You know, yeah, it'll be a fun time. Dark confidant, you stay for the CJ Schrader. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be your MC. So I'm coming for the confidant. I'm Now I'm staying for something? What? You, you're staying uh, for better CJ. Stay. Oh, CJ and I have bad history. There'll be, uh, no, <laughs> there'll be no slacking off at my conference. <laughs> none, of, none of that. None of that. So right, that's it. All right. My plug in. Our our uh, so our topic today that we haven't gotten to yet is investigations. Has I, I know a lot of judges are very uncomfortable with investigations. Sure. Uh, because they've never done one. We don't talk about it a lot. It's not something that's on the judge test. They don't. You know. They don't on the judge test. They don't go. So shady thing A happens. How do you deal with it uh, most of the time? So, yeah. Eric, you and have... it's go ahead. Unique, yeah. It's u- it's unique. Yeah. Like you, you can't you can't lay down a uh, a strategic. It's like, well, ask him ask him this question, and when he replies this, then you ask him this question. Now you've caught him in a lie. Huzzah, yeah. DQ him. <laughs> it's 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 very it, it's it's you don't really know when you start asking questions. You don't necessarily know what path it's going to take. So we've invited. Eric to talk about this because not only has he run probably more sanctioned events than any judge I know, but he's also had an unfortunate number of DQs come out of those mm. events and, 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 and even more investigations. So I know he has a lot of experience in this regard. So I'm going to kind of let him talk about it. But the, que- the questions that I'm looking forward to, to hearing the answer most to are, what do you do when you realize something needs to be investigated? And at what point are you sure you're going to DQ somebody? 
Man, whenever whenever my number of DQs comes up, I feel like the girl at the party with the reputation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. But but yeah, the, the in, for 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 all of you who are out there saying, yeah, no, I've never done an investigation, or I, I don't, I haven't done many of these. How lucky! How lucky for you! Clap clap! I'm I'm very glad. Keep, I, I I hope your life stays stays this happy but i mean something sometimes something comes up and you go huh that was weird and that's that's probably happened to everybody where you have that that moment where you go that that doesn't sit right and it's very easy for human beings to go yeah shrug i guess i'll just go frolic in this meadow instead of trying to think about this but and you know frolicking in meadows is lots of fun but but when when you're judging an event and you, you get that weird feeling that that something's not right that's that's when i start to it's it's just it's just usually a gut feeling where i think that didn't go the way that it would have gone the other 99 out of 100 times and that's when i start asking myself questions i feel like and and this is something that jess and i have talked about the the first thing that i i like to do when i'm when I get into a situation where I think maybe something is wrong, maybe something something got, went wrong, I, I think to myself, if I were one of these players, how how would I be manipulating this situation to my advantage? How would I cheat in this situation? What would be my how would I cheat and why would I cheat? You you have to get into that mindset, which is weird for us, right? Like yeah, yeah like like this is not this is not a group when when you're talking to judges, you're not talking to a group of veteran liars and cheaters generally. It's not that's not how it is. No. You're- you're actually you're, you're talking to people who tend to be you know very honest and exact and want things played by the rules. That's why they became a judge. Exactly. Um, and, and they're not definitely not the lying and cheating group uh, the vast majority of the time, which is good. Yeah, it's a good community. But but yeah, you're right. That leaves us at a disadvantage. So how do we how do we kind of get around that and put ourselves in that mindset when that comes up? I mean, it's just it's it's the more the more you think about it, you know, when it when it comes up. When you see somebody do something weird, when you see somebody get a warning, you know, and, you know, even if you know they're not cheating, you you can think to yourself, well, how could they cheat? How might someone think in this situation? And that's something that Eric Sukan taught me when I was working with him in Massachusetts when I originally started uh, training to become a judge. But, and I, I mean, I'll tell you when I was, when I was much younger, you know, around, around like eight, nine, 10, I, I loved to tell lies. So my favorite thing to do was to make up stories and tell lies. And, uh, and, and I kind of think back to that and, and, and try to say, you know, what would I, how would I approach this and, and how would I make it believable if I were to cheat? But I mean, and a lot, a lot of that though, is just kind of experiential. You kind of have to be in those situations and think to yourself, well, what if this guy's not just, you know, looking at extra cards by accident, but I mean, what, you know, what else, I guess, I guess the, this is such an open topic is the, is the issue. I mean, what do you guys want to know? It's, it's, there's a lot going on. Tell us everything. <laughs> Okay. Well, so let's 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 approach this of you you think something's shady, like a guy did something, you know, he's been playing the game in in X manner and suddenly he switched over to to doing it in manner Y. Sure. I think that's odd. Yep. You know, like what what type of questions would you ask to kind of probe at that? Cuz you you don't want to approach the player and be like, "I think you're cheating." Right. You know, right. blah 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 because that's just going to lead to that's just a bad setup cuz yeah, they're going to immediately not a good approach. Right. So, so how would you about approach 
approaching that situation? The first thing that I always like to do in this situation is get a second opinion from another judge. You know, I, I mean, I've seen plenty of these situations before, but but I'm if if I if I can avoid it, I'm not going to go in blind without grabbing grabbing somebody nearby who I who I trust, which is generally somebody wearing a black shirt that says the words DCI on it. That that generally. They actually it's, don't say DCI anymore. Uh, the, the sleeve still <laughs> says DCI, doesn't it? Or does the sleeve say Magic now? The sleeve says Magic the Gathering, and the front I says gave, Magic Good. I gave Plains, away all my good logo. ones. The Planeswalker, Planeswalker logo on the back. On the there back. you go. Yep. The, the Planeswalker so, hair so you pick. Go get a fellow, a fellow Planeswalker. And this yeah. is actually good. I'd like to point out, you know, when, when I do it, when, when I am investigating somebody and I go get another judge, it's because I want a second opinion. Uh, but I get the impression when Eric does it, and he has pulled me aside occasionally and said, hey, what do you think of this situation? I, although I think he might be getting my opinion, it feels more like it's a training experience, right? He's yeah. teaching me what to look for, and I think more judges who are okay with investigations need to be doing this for the people that they work with. Oh yeah. And I'm, I mean, that's definitely part of it, but part of it is honestly, like I, I see no reason not to go in armed with as much information about the situation as I can, or alternatively for someone to say, no, I know this guy, this is what's going on. And I say, Oh, okay. And I move on with my life. And that's happened to me before. But, but once I get this judge who says, yeah, that's weird. You know, I want to talk, talk with them for a short amount of time about, why why is it that we think this player is doing this what is what does the player stand to gain because if somebody's just doing something weird but there's no angle then then you've just got a weird person on your hands and and we've got some of those in in the universe and in gaming i mean i'm i'm a pretty weird guy and i i tend to be pretty unpredictable when i play when in my in my mannerisms and and i've i've tipped off judges radar from time to time but but it, you, you could just be dealing with a, a weird personality but once you establish that you've got something weird going on that has a potential for someone to be to be cheating or someone someone to be trying to cheat i mean depending depending on what's happening like let me let me give an example you know I, i'm obviously i'm not going to use names or, or be terribly specific or anything sure. like that because we can't do that but but i'll, I'll be i'll be nice and vague at I, I was head judge of a star city open and one of my floor judges came to me with a situation where he had noticed a player doing some weird shuffling. And when you're head judge of a big event, you're usually you're not the person who sees this. One of your floor judges, one of the, the guys or gals out there in the trenches comes to you and says, this player is doing this weird thing. I came to you because I thought it merited an investigation. And so, you know, you usually, depending on what, in, in the case of, of shuffling, what, what I wanted to do was I wanted to see if this was a pattern over the course of the match so we could figure it out, figure out why this player is shuffling in this strange way. He's shuffling his opponent's deck in this weird way. And so the judge and I talked about different things to look for. You know, is he looking at the cards? Is he touching the cards in in weird ways is he trying to feel for something specific do you think he's found something that he wants to put in a particular place in his opponent's deck and it turned out that what he had done was this player we we figured out when when the floor judge went back he came back to me and he said i think i know what's happening i think this player is is shuffling his opponent's foil cards to the top of his deck because all his foils are this particular spell and he doesn't he wants his opponent to draw four of those in his opener so that he'll have to mulligan and so it becomes it you you have to sort of decide once you once you have a kind of a critical mass of of evidence once you have enough to talk to the player because you need to have something to talk about then you have to figure out well should i go talk to this player now and invariably the answer is is almost always yes 
and that and this this is like the most the most awkward part of it is actually talking to this human being because you're about to go in and have a discussion with someone because you think they're cheating and that's rarely rarely if ever fun i don't think i've ever enjoyed this process and if i did quite honestly i'd start to get a little scared but it's and then you have to sort of you enter this process where you're you know you're not you're not a cop we don't have we don't all have like investigative training so we're coming at it from this place of well i guess i can just ask him questions about what happened and yeah that's what you should do your your instinct there is right but the way i like to start and i don't know i don't know if other people start this way i haven't seen a lot of other people do investigations I've done, I've just done a lot of them. So the the way I like to start is with just baseline questions. I like to say, hi, what's your name? How's your day going? What deck are you playing? What round is it? Now, why, why do you guys, why do you guys think I might ask these questions of someone? Why might I, why might I ask these mundane questions that I already know the answers to? Loosen them up. Um, That's one reason. Establish a, you know, a pattern for how they're answering the questions, like how, how long they think they take to think about things. Yep. That's the other answer. You want to know what it sounds like when they're telling the truth. Exactly. So I want them to get comfortable with me because when people get comfortable, they tend to tell the truth by accident, even if they didn't mean to. And also you get a, you get a feel for what they look like when they're telling the truth. Is this a person who's going to look you eye, you that look you eye, look you in the eye while they're talking to you? Or is this guy just going to be nervous and look at the ground all the time? Because then you know that you can't just take that as a sign of he's looking at the ground, he's lying. You can't, you can't do that with everybody. There's no universal tell, no matter, no matter how much, you know, how, how many of those investigative television shows you watch. That's, that's a little bit, a little bit skewed. But yeah, you want to get a picture of what this person looks and sounds like when they're telling you the truth. And you kind of get them into a rhythm of, of easy discussions. And you, you can, from there, you can kind of gauge where to go. If this person, it, you, you figure out how nervous they are, basically. And it sounds a little, it sounds a little inhumane, I know. But how nervous they are is actually reasonably important. Because then you know how, kind of how direct, how direct to be in the situation. Because if, if they're, if they're not nervous yet, if they're not nervous just because you can't come over and sat them down, then, then in that situation, I'm, I'm generally going to take a, a little bit of a slower approach where I'll kind of build up to, you know, tell me, tell me what happened in this situation. And they'll say, I already told you, Florida judge. Well, tell me anyway, tell me again. That way I can hear it. And they tell you, and then you, you, you kind of narrow in on whatever it is. And in this, in this shuffling situation, for example, I sat this guy down and I said, so, and he, he wasn't, he wasn't particularly nervous to start with. So I said, you know, tell me, tell me what's going on here. Why are we having this discussion basically? And he's, you know, well, I don't know what's going on. And I said, well, tell me what was happening right before, right before I came over to talk to you. And we kind of narrowed in from there to, you know, from, from me coming to talk to him, to his shuffling, to the fact that he shuffles in a weird way, which he volunteered to the fact that eventually that, you know, I, I eventually explained to him that my floor judge thinks that, you know, you're you're doing this. My floor judge thinks you're manipulating your opponent's deck this way on purpose, and I'm inclined to agree. And at this point, the 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 pressure had mounted to a point where this this player started kind of pleading with me, not based on anything that he had or hadn't done, but based on things like, and this is true, judge it's my birthday. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it is in the MTR oh. that you're allowed one cheat. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> well, I, better, I better play. I, I better play F this week then. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but yeah, you when when you have someone who's who you think is cheating, but who isn't rattled by you sitting down, which is often the mark of of a premeditated cheater rather than an opportunistic cheater in my experience. But again, this is all this is, should all be taken with a grain of salt because it doesn't apply to everyone. I I tend when I when I sit down with someone like that, I tend to take a, a slower route. Whereas if I sit down with someone nervous, as I did in this very same tournament with a player who had all foil mountains and no other foils in his mono red deck that he was doing exceptionally well with, despite it being rather a terrible deck. I think he made top 16 even, but I won't say what event. He was terribly nervous right when I sat him down and when I asked... I asked him, you know, tell me, I just said, tell me about your deck. And he goes, I have all foil mountains. That was the first words out of his mouth was that I have all foil mountains. And now it turned out that this guy was just, you know, kind of new to the whole big tournament scene and was, was very happy to be doing well with his skitters of lizards or whatever that he was playing. But this is real top 16, (laughs) but, but it was, it was a situation where because he was nervous, I was going to be able to get more information out of him by asking him the questions right up front rather than kind of dragging it out. Because if I drag it out, he's just going to go crazy whether he's telling the truth or not. And I'm not going to get any useful information from him. So that's, yeah, go for it, CJ. Sorry. I was going to say uh, with the first guy who uh, was shuffling weird, did you need complete and total proof, you know, before you could, is that, is that one where you did pull the trigger on, on a DQ or? or Absolutely. So that gentleman, I did disqualify that gentleman and you know, it was it was a combination of my floor judge's testimony of this is what he was doing. The fact that the floor judge could even recreate exactly what he was doing using foil cards. The fact that when this when I I, I asked this guy, show me how you shuffle, and he shuffles his you know he, he shuffles his deck, and it looks nothing like my floor judge described. I turned to my floor judge who is sitting with me, right. And always, always bring that person with you, by the way. That person is a valuable asset in verifying the story you're being told. There's no reason not to bring that person with you. And so I turned to him and and he looked at me and just shook his head with kind of a grimace on his face. And I knew... You know, this guy's this guy's trying to play me, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was a combination of those factors plus the fact that once I once I said to him, I think you're cheating, he tried to appeal based to me to my sensibilities based on nothing but, you know, things like have use your discretion. And I told him I am using my discretion. And when it became clear that I wasn't budging, he turned to my floor judge to try and manipulate my floor judge onto his side, which I thought was very cute. But yeah, yeah this is one where, I mean, do I have a, I, I don't have a video of in my trunk of this guy stacking his opponent's foil desperate ravings on the top of his deck. You know, that doesn't exist. And, you know, you're never going to have complete proof. Rare, rarely. Well, I won't say never because you will once in a while. But rarely do you have complete proof that someone cheated. And that's the, it makes it kind of uh, an interesting area because you, you, you end up people, – people make a lot of false comparisons to the American legal system. And I've yeah. seen Matt, I've seen magic writers who are also lawyers uh, write whole articles predicated on that fact. Um, which is a little frustrating. So magic writers who are lawyers, stop. It's it's a bad, it's a, it's a false analogy, but you, we're not, we're not 
an innocent until proven guilty situation. Your job as the head judge of an event is to ensure that the tournament is fair and fun for everybody. And if you think someone is probably cheating, then it is in the best interest of the event that you disqualify them. If you're wrong, I mean, that's bad. You don't want to be wrong. And I can't think of a situation where I've disqualified someone and where I later believed I might have done it wrong. But on the other hand, well, on on the other hand, I I, I don't know that that's the case and I'll never know. But also on the other hand, sorry. That's actually that's actually a really a really important point is the is the fact that you know it's not you know beyond beyond a shadow of a doubt it's it's the 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 importance of protecting the uh, you're protecting the integrity of the event yeah and if you if you have reason to believe that the guy is cheating he's yep. probably he's probably cheating yeah and if you think someone if you think someone is probably cheating they got to go get him out of there and like I said, I don't, the DQs I regret are not the ones I've done. They're the ones I didn't do. And, and th- those are the ones that kind of weigh on me. But, but yeah, if, if you think, if you're in a position where you think this person is probably cheating, it is, it is time for them to go. Now, let me, let me ask this. This is a, uh, uh, when you said the, the DQs that you didn't do, let's say hypothetically that this, this guy who did the shuffle thing, you sat down and you talked to him and for whatever reason you were kind of on the fence. You know, maybe maybe he had like good reasons or something like that, and you let him go back to the table. Sure. And he continued. And he continued to play, and you didn't have any more problems with him that particular game or even the next one. But you're sitting up there and your 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 head, you know, up on the stage, and you're like, nope, I really should have. I really should DQ him. I, I I've convinced myself. I I now believe that that he's cheating. I've I've had more time to think about it. He said X Y Z. I think he was lying to me. Okay. Can you still address that situation? Can you still go and DQ him even though you had a talk with him and let him you know quote unquote let him go? Sure. I mean. Okay. You're, you're the the thing that I think most people in in investigation situation realize in they don't they don't realize. They think, oh, well, can I do this? Can I do that? You're the head judge. You can do whatever you want and within reason. I mean, you can't, you can't, I'm not going to say that, but. (laughs) (laughs) No, you you can't, you can't be the kind of stormtrooper we were talking about earlier. Yeah, Uh, that's for our rated judge cast. Sorry, folks. But, but within reason, you can do pretty much whatever you want. I remember a a DQ I did where it involved, this is a little tangent, but it involved a a, a card in a draft in, in an M12 draft. It was a Griffin Sentinel that was not an M12 Griffin Sentinel, but an M10 Griffin Sentinel. And uh, it had the word Splicer written on the back of it. So it had obviously been used as a proxy. And then so a is player... This, is this in somebody's deck or during the draft? Ah, during the draft portion. Yes. This, this Yes. Wow. So my friend calls me over and says, Eric, there's a, there's a card in my pack that, first of all, there's two Griffin Sentinels in my pack. Second of all, this one's M10. Third of all, it says it has this on the back. And so I sta- I'm standing there holding this card. And the only people who have seen the back of it are me, the guy who just handed it to me, and presumably the guy who swapped it into the pack in order to double pick out of that pack. That's what I think's gone on. And so I'm standing there thinking, can I really do, can I really make everyone write down their name and the word splicer on a piece of paper in order to do this investigation? (laughs) And then I thought, yeah, I'm the head judge. I can do whatever I want. Actually, what I thought was I'm Eric Levine. I can do whatever I want. That's not a good philosophy. (laughs) Wish I was Eric Levine. (laughs) I can do whatever I want. And I ended 
ended up catching this person because I did this. So yeah, if you if you're doing something unorthodox, you know, sure, you'd like like deciding, no, wait, I really do need to disqualify this person. Then I mean, if you can check with, if you can grab somebody you trust and talk it out with them and say, hey, I didn't DQ this guy in the first place, but now I I want to, you know, here's here's the evidence. What do you think? But if you've really gotten to a point where you think, no, I need to do this for the healthy event, do it, you know. And and what that boils down to is you're, you're admitting a mistake not only to yourself, but also to the person you're disqualifying and to the floor judges that you've talked about this investigation with, which is difficult and weird. But it's some, you know, it's it's this kind of situation where you need to put that aside and say, well, this is this is bigger than me. This is about the event and 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 the magic community and not not my ego. And that's a hard thing to do. It's very difficult. So what's the situation you think if you have one uh, off the top of your head where you've had the least evidence and DQ'd somebody? Oh boy. Let me think. I'm actually logged into the judge center right now. So I'm going to refresh my memory a little bit by looking at my, my three pages of. That, uh, that reminds me something I want to touch on with this judge cast before we go. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about what you do when you disqualify somebody because some mm-hmm. people have never disqualified somebody. So, so you're logging into the judge center. What is it you're looking at? Uh, okay. Well, uh, and this is this applies mostly for competitive REL events. For regular REL events, especially for for the I didn't know I was doing something wrong kind of DQs. You know, we don't we don't want to be submitting you know a thousand little Timmy die roll investigations into the judge center. But if you do have a, like a you know an assault DQ or a, or an on purpose cheating DQ at regular or any DQ at competitive, you need to record that in the judge center. And if you are, I think I think. I can't remember. I think you need to you need to have at least one judge level in order to go to the investigations panel. And um, if you don't have a judge level, but you've done some kind of DQ at your FNM, that's a big deal. Uh, contact your regional coordinator or a wizards rep or someone else important. But if you do have a judge level, then right between the people and feedback tabs in the judge center is the investigations tab. And then there's a there's a there's an, another sub tab marked create, and that tab will ask you for various things like your name, the player's name, DCI numbers, uh, the sanctioning number of the event, and everybody's statement. Um, and when I say statement, what I mean is that you need to when when you submit a, a disqualification, what the investigations committee is expecting you to have is your written account of what occurred and the player's written player or player's written account of what occurred in their own words and the accounts of any relevant witnesses maybe your floor judge who initially uh, initiated the investigation maybe a spectator who saw something occur and came to talk to you anyone besides you and the person being disqualified who might be relevant and those those all go in word for word letter for letter typo for typo into the judge center don't don't change a single thing and and then you 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 submit that to the investigations committee and it'll take 4 to 6 weeks for you to get anything back from that but one important thing that i think a lot of people don't know is that when you're writing your statement from from an investigation you should be doing that without having read the player's written statement because once they're writing their statement you've disqualified them. that's what's happening and the the statement is sort of their chance to tell the investigations committee either i didn't do it let me tell you how i didn't do it 
or I did it, please be nice to me, I won't do it again. You shouldn't be responding to anything in their statement They get because they're not going to get to respond to you. And that's something that I, I think people don't know. And I think, I think it was discussed recently in an email, or not recently, but in the last six months in an email from, from someone, but I, I have heard of it happening and it's, it's not a good thing to do, but yeah, that's, that's the, the basic process. You go, you go to judge center, you push button and, uh, you, you fill out another, fields. another, another reason why you might not want, well, I mean, you said responding to it, but I mean, they're, it's very possible that they're not saying very flattering things about you. Right. And I mean, yeah, you, and you don't want to be, you don't want to get into a vindictive mood, right? Before don't you judge like, angry. Yeah. Don't judge angry. <laughs> <laughs> but and I mean, you're gonna need to re- write, read their statement in order to type it out into the program, but into the the web form rather. But but it shouldn't be something you do really before you write yours. Going back to the question you guys asked me, I think the the one where I had the least evidence is one where I was. I had just called time at regular REL in a in just a store draft. And there were two matches going on and they were on opposite sides of an aisle. And so I was standing in the aisle and I was watching the the match that of the two I believed was most likely to take longer because it had the less least experienced player in it. So while my back is turned on the other match, this is what happens. One of our one of our other employees uh, taps me on the shoulder and says, Eric, this guy just drew a card out of his graveyard. Now, I didn't see this happen. And not only did I see this happen, this guy's not even a judge working at my event. Sure, he's a guy I know. Sure, he works for the same company I work for. But but does this guy have any judge training? None whatsoever. Does this guy, you know, and not that I think this guy has a reason to to lie to me. I certainly don't. But I don't have any, I, I have no, I have nothing to go on other than this guy saying he just drew out of his graveyard and I was just flabbergasted like whoa what am I supposed to do about this and so I I kind of waited in and I talked to the guy and it was the card was a Falcon Wrath Noble and so I talked to both players about how many Falcon Wrath Nobles had been played that game and so on and so forth and it came out that eventually I, I, I discovered that there was only one Falcon Wrath Noble in his deck it had died earlier in the turn that he had picked it up from his graveyard and put it in his hand and his story was basically I don't know how it happened but the process of getting to that from Judge I just saw this guy draw a card out of his graveyard was a little harrowing I would say <laughs> Hmm. So that 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 brings up an interesting question. So when you have a he said she said situation, okay, sure. and you can't get anything, like you're not you're not or not necessarily anything, but it's like one player saying that X happened. Mm-hmm. Like this this is this is something that there was a an L zero that I had that was really big on this absurd scenario. This was <laughs> yeah. kind of his, this was his, I don't want to say his doomsday scenario, but this was basically it's two players are playing. One of them has a Jace, the mind sculptor mm-hmm. out on the field. And one of the players just the, the, the non-active player just takes it and eats it. And then calls <laughs> And then, and, then calls, and then calls to have his opponent deck check because he says, I think he's only running 59 cards. Well, this is a variant. And of- the other player's like, he ate my Jace. <laughs> and, he, and he looked at me and he's like, how do you handle that? And I'm just like, I don't even know where to start. He well, waits about 12 hours. 
Right. <laughs> you see, you see if, if, yeah. No, this is this is a, a it's interesting. Like cardboard. Yeah. It's this is a variant of an old cheat that people used to pull on the East Coast. I know, and maybe maybe even uh, on the on the pro circuit in general. It's a it's an old you know CCG cheat where you're you're shuffling your opponent's deck and you kind of back off a little from the table and you drop one of their cards on the floor when they're not looking and then you kick it under their chair and you yep. put and then you count their deck 59 and you call a judge the the old drop kick um that's that's one that 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 i hope judges are familiar with but and it's one where you can't go it's it's more important how people are saying things than what they're saying and making people repeat their stories a couple times can can achieve further clarity now i'm not advocating asking someone the same question 50 times because if you ask someone the same question over and over and over they're always going to eventually give you a different answer the thing to do in my opinion is is to to take them aside and say okay tell me again what happened because there are things that people who are lying will do they'll they'll change their stories in subtle ways each time to give them more detail to make them sound more believable whereas usually the person who tells you the truth is going to tell you the same story again and again they're just going to try to hit the relevant points like here's what happened he picked up my jace he ate my jace i don't know what to tell you whereas you know if a a person is lying is more likely and i'm not going to say always because there's no always with this but they're more likely to say you know so so then he picked up his jace which is in a red sleeve and he threw it across the room or he put it away, he put it in his pocket. Now he's saying, I ate it. I, I ate it. He put it in his right pocket. No, he put it in his left pocket. He's the, 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 one of the things that the human brain tends to do when we lie is we tend to add details to make our lie more believable. And those details might be from reality or they might just be details that we add because they make it sound more real. And those can be sticking points where if I say this, you know, that, 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 you know, there was this one detail and later, later in my retelling, I, I have a different detail in its place or I omit this detail this time or I add more detail that can be kind of a clue. And I'm not saying that if somebody changes their story or uses too many details, DQ them immediately, but I'm saying that that's, that's a, a path to go down. And it's it's sort of like, yeah, if you get into this scenario where a player says he ate my Jace, it sucks. And you have to think, well, why would he say that? Why would he say this player ate my Jace? Is he trying to get an easy game win or match win? Is he trying to cover up for the fact that he did come to the table with only 59 cards and has come up with this really implausible scenario? And it's just, it's... It's a scenario, it's it's a situation where it's frustrating because you can't actually just answer this L0's question and say, well, this is what you do, because it's different every single time with every single person. Another point that I want to make sure we hit about investigations, I had somebody come up and ask a question just the other day in the in the shop, uh, an L1 from another store, came up and asked me about a situation that happened to him at his F&M, and, sure. and he's, the, the situation itself doesn't really matter uh, as much as when I asked him finally, well, what did you do about it? And he said, well, after about 45 minutes of investigating. No. And, oh. and so, so, that's so it. yeah. Go ahead. So that's this is actually in my notes. Um, ah, okay. Says, remember the event. No, but you 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 go ahead. I I I've been talking a lot. Well, I was just gonna say like the 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 thing I see, and I, I I'm guilty of this too, is that when you're investigating, it takes a little bit of time, and you want it to take as little time as possible. And you finally you need to get to the point where you where you. I don't want to use the phrase Aaron Hamer would use on 
on don't, don't, don't say I know what you I know what he <laughs> says, don't say it. I love Aaron Hammer, he's one of my best friends in the program, but don't say that. <laughs> um so you need to you need to at some point decide I'm either going to DQ this person or I'm not going to DQ this person. Yep. Uh, and, and not spend forty five minutes haming and hauling back and forth to try to figure out what to do and how, and how to fix it or whatever. Just just make a decision and stick with it. And then, you know, if you need to come back to it later, you can, like we were talking about earlier, but don't spend an entire round trying to decide because then if you don't decue this person, they're going to get a 40 minute time extension and you will hold up your entire event for that long. Because I've, you couldn't decide whether to decuse them. I've seen the clock go to like negative thirty minutes at an event and been very sad. I mean, the the event's still going on. It's very easy to tunnel in on the investigation, like you say. the The reason that we disqualify players who are cheating is to keep the event healthy, to keep the event fun and fair for everybody. An event where a round goes forty minutes over time is not fun. So if you need to, you know, you, you gotta you gotta keep the event going somehow. Um, whether, you know, and there's, there's, and there's various ways to do this depending on the circumstances, you know, and I have, I have gotten into a situation where I have disqualified someone, but I wanted to keep discussing something with them, you know, to tr- basically to try and get in- them to ad- admit that they had done it so that, so that life would be easier for them. And so I, I said, you, you look like you know what you're doing. You're the head judge for this round. You go do it. And that, that kind of thing where you, where you, you, you need to keep, you need to keep acting as the head judge and not just lead investigator on the, uh, on the, on the Jay Seating case. Um, but the other, the other thing that I was going to say is, um, Jason Ness, a, a, a Canadian judge and someone who a lot of people look up to in, in an investigative arena. He was, he was the guy when, you know, uh, when I started judging four years ago, if you said investigations, you were likely to be talking about either Jason Ness or Eric Shukan. Jason Ness has this way. It's, he's sort of legendary for having this way with players where he'll go, to, he'll go to a player who he believes is cheating and basically say to them, I think you're cheating, and here's why. Would you like to tell me that you're cheating now? And they would say, yes, I did it. And and Jason wow. Jason likes to say that people people want to, most people want to confess. Most people feel, because most people feel bad about it. Most people feel bad about what they've done, and they need to bring themselves to a point where they feel safe kind of, telling you that they did it and so that's that's kind of another approach that you can take where you where you and i've done this where you lay out the facts and you say i think this happened you want to tell me what happened and a good percentage of the time this is this this is actually quite real this actually works my first dq ever was actually a day where i disqualified four players that day it was a wow. zendikar it was yeah, that's a, a strong start <laughs> my first dq my first dq was other four players. Well, that that day I disqualified four players. My first DQ was just the one guy. Thankfully, I've 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 never disqualified more than two people at once. Yeah. You know, and the the stuff like bribery and and dice rolling that usually comes in pairs. But this one was it was a Zendikar sealed event with a product pass. And one of our customers calls me over and says, Eric, I got this really beat up Pyromancer Ascension in my pool. And I was very confused, but like, it looked like it had been played on gravel. And so I sort of thought, well, you know, weird stuff happens during the first printing of every set. You know, you get upside down cards, you get you get the white, the, the yellow sticky note in place of the foil, things like that. You get, you know, part of the sheet, but like the white card from the sheet. But I've never seen a card that looked like it had been run over by an SUV come out of a pack. So I go to the guy who, you know, opened this pool before the product pass. 
And I said, so did you, did you open a pyromancer ascension in your pool? And he said, no. And I said, well, why did you register one on your deck registration sheet? And instead of answering with words, he pulled out of his pocket a full misty rainforest and kind of slapped it on the table and said, I opened one of these. And it was just, <laughs> okay. Well, that's like, easy enough. He, he did it and he felt dumb about doing it. And he, he wanted to tell me and I gave him, I gave him the opportunity to tell me and, and I just, I just let him do it. And he, he was willing to do it. And, and knowing that, knowing that people often do want to tell you because they, they often feel bad can, can help you quite a bit. And it can also help them because if they're willing to admit, Hey, I did this thing and it was bad, their punishment is likely to be less severe unless they're a repeat offender that goes and says, Oh, I'm so sorry. I won't do it again every time. It's a different story, but I don't know of any of those cases. Yeah. That's a lot. I've blasted through most of my notes. Yeah. That was a lot of information and a lot of good information in a short period of time. So thank you for that. Uh, (laughs) I hope this was helpful. Whenever people ask me to talk to, to them about investigations, like, I just want to do that, you know, that thing that, that Dumbledore does where with the pensive where you you go and you sit in his memory and you see, you know, Barty Crouch doing whatever in the Ministry of Magic, whatever it is. Man, I need you to have you have you on my Potter cast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so let me let me ask this. Since since you don't seem to have a problem talking to us about it and you know that this we're recording this and we're going to post this out on the MTG cast network. So people are going to be able to hear you talking about how to do an investigation. Yep. I, I know that on Judge List, when we talk when we've talked about investigations and having you know seminars and stuff like that, the the whole question of dissemination. You know, if we there's this fear that if we if we put the information out there, that players who want to cheat will learn our tricks, sure, and thus be able to adapt to well, get around. There's my my response to that has always been this: there's two kinds of materials when 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 you're talking about judge training as far as investigations go. There's Category A, which is talking about how we do it and how to get better at investigations and and methodological tips from a judge standpoint of how we can do better. And that's Category A. Category B might be something more like Arthur's Seminar Worlds, or I guess, did he also give that somewhere else as well? I can't remember. Uh, Salt Lake. Salt Lake, that's right. And we actually had him on talking about that right after Salt Lake. Right. So the Category B is sort of a visual representation of this is how to cheat. This is what players are going to do when they cheat. And that that kind of information can be used two ways. One, this is how people cheat. Or two, this is how I cheat. And I'm not really afraid of exposing anything in category A to the general public because honestly, no one's no one's gonna be able to 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 really get much out of that cheating material wise beyond the 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 most sociopathic sociopathological is the word I'm looking for among among our uh, among the community and you're probably not catching those people anyway because they don't have tails you're not gonna like you it's gonna be very hard for you to figure out that they're lying unless you figure out hey this person is a sociopath and the information in category sorry go ahead cj no i was laughing <laughs> like just figuring out that they're a sociopath i mean i like the the guy that the guy that i disqualified in the 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 shuffling guy i mean i'm just just from an armchair standpoint but but anyway i i, I felt like that might have been the case with him but the the information in 
category B is something we should be a little more protective of. Now, the thing with that is the players are seeing it. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe the, some players see Arthur's seminar and they say, oh, I'm going to do a double lift or whatever. But A, that's very difficult. And B, we also know about it. I mean, he told us what to look for. So well, he's, al- he's are- also telling, he's also telling, you know, many, many more players what to look for, right? So sure. if you expose that to the yeah. general player community, they're going to be more likely to see their opponent doing it. And that was exactly. his point because a judge can't be at every table, but there's a player at every table. In fact, there's yep. two of them. So if one yep. of them sees something going wrong, they can call a judge and then we can take care of it. Not yeah, there. That's, and that's, I think that's great. The other, the other perspective that I was going to come at it from as well was if they're out, if people are out there, saying oh i'm going to use i am i'm a i'm a premeditated cheater i'm going to use this method of cheating that i learned from a judge podcast does that sound smart to you that sounds pretty stupid to me because who who watched who watched that judge seminar that all the judges seminar right exactly so if i see somebody trying to trying to to run the double nickel in front of me because they watched arthur's seminar not only am i going to disqualify them i'm going to already chuckle in my hotel room afterwards (laughs) yeah but I, i i don't i'm in no way afraid of anyone getting any cheaty ammo from me talk me rambling about uh uh disqualifications Oh, one more thing. I'm sorry. I want to say one more thing about DQs. There's one more person that you should involve in DQs when you're when you're able to, and that's your tournament organizer. Because the tournament organizer ultimately is running a business that is directly linked to the tournament that you're you're in charge of. They're gonna to wanna to know when you're saying to someone who paid the money, you can no longer have our service. I know, and some some TOs are different about this so than than others. Some TOs will just say, "Do whatever, tell me after." And some TOs I've had say to me, "Please let me know before you disqualify anyone." Not not that they're going to stop me, just let me know so that I'm in the loop if you can. And I respect that. So just make sure that you have when you head judge events, just just have a relationship with the TO where you say. You know, you just ask, if it's a new TO, ask them, hey, if I just DQ somebody, do you want to know about it beforehand? Because that's that's a thing, because it impacts their business. Because that, that guy or gal is going to end up coming talk to your TO and say to him or her, hey, your head judge is a D-bag, you know, and DQ'd me for no reason. That's that's going to no happen. No reason at all. And that's Yeah, exactly. That's going to happen to you. That's happened to me countless times, so... All right. So let me tell you the judge cast plan. It's usually to have some guest on that's knowledgeable about some topic. They talk for a long time and then we just receive all the accolades later. And it works out. Yeah, it works out great. We get accolades. So apparently CJ gets accolades. CJ, I had them (laughs) share an accolade or two. No, no, no. (laughs) My accolades not gonna happen. Sorry, I need them. I mean, it's your show. It's not my show. So I don't. I don't. I don't really want any accolades. I. I have to move my house. I don't need more stuff. (laughs) So, did you guys have any final points you want to make? Any last questions? How much mass does an accolade take up? Um, All right, so we're at that part of the show. We are at that. (laughs) If we weren't, we are now. Yeah, I I think that that's the uh, that's the key to hey, it's time to do the mailbag. Well, normally we jump in the mailbag, but first we have a contest going, don't we? Oh, contest! Oh, I think I think this contest is dying. It it it, well, we got another entry. We got two more entries in the past week. Yeah, so I think we'll do it. We'll do it one more one more round, and we'll announce we'll announce a winner next next time. Okay, this is guys, 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 (laughs) not just listeners, guys. 
All right, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. There's not been a whole lot of entries into this contest. So that means you have a very you have a much higher probability of winning. This is a very high EV contest. Yes, it is a very high EV. I mean, you're probably already playing Magic. You're probably going to an event. There's probably a judge there. You know, maybe even you can you can get a picture hugging Eric as he's DQing you from your next event. (laughs) Please, (laughs) I'm giving bonus points for that. I I don't want to be seen as encouraging someone to be disqualified. I do. <laughs> there there have been a couple where I feel like the the person I've DQ'd and I've gotten to a place of of mutual understanding where I feel like that has almost happened. <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to encourage in I don't want to encourage it, but if it happens naturally, if the move's right, you know, <laughs> hug yeah, it's about, you know, hug the judge who's disqualifying you. So yes, this is a very high EV contest. <laughs> And take the picture on your smartphone, upload it to Facebook. We're talking 30 seconds of work. Because right now, a lot of the contest entries, it would be awkward because, like, one of them is a judge hugging me. We've got another was the L, is, uh, the guys at the store I play with hugging uh, uh, an L2 that I work with. One's CJ's dad. <laughs> Yeah, I'm okay. not sure if he can win. There's this, there's this nepotism. I mean, there's there's a few other injuries, but there's just nepotism all over this place. So it's it's for a judge foil Vendillion click picture of you hugging a judge. Maybe bonus points if you give him or her a little smooch on the cheek at the same time. Remember, it's, it's yeah, let's, one uh, inch. That's, that's, I'm not giving bonus points for that. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. It's 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 one drawing or entry in the drawing for a, a, a hug of a judge. Three if it's a former a former or current host of Judge Cast. Five if it's Ricky Hayashi. Since he doesn't like hugs, you need hazard pay, I've and that's all you had. Ricky Hayashi's birthday is coming up. Uh, I think I think not not right this weekend, but 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 pretty soon, right around that time. So if you if you manage to to get him in a hugging mood around his birthday, that that might be the time for it at the open. I'm thinking I'm thinking you know cone shaped birthday hat uh, mm. on Ricky's head. You know I mean think you know think big, or even if you're just thinking small, still put an entry in there. It doesn't cost you anything. It's just bits. <laughs> it's just it's just pushing electrons over these internet tubes. It just, <laughs> doesn't it's nothing. You don't even have to pay for a stamp. So. And so we will, we will electrons over these internet tubes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I had, I got, I got into an argument one time with a, with a buddy of mine. He was talking about why magic cards were so expensive because it doesn't cost them anything for the paper that they're printed on. (laughs) (laughs) And, and my argument was, and my counter argument was, well, you design web pages. All you're doing is pushing electrons around the internet. That's free, (laughs) right? You know, I can get. I said I can get electrons just by rubbing a balloon against my head. Hey, you just you go home, charge up your internet battery that way, right? I mean, yeah, that, that works all, just fine. It's all it's all free. So yeah, so that's the contest. Please enter. No, by not having many entries, it it means that you don't love us, and we know that that's not true, right, guys? I don't know about you. I I have no knowledge that this is right. true. Anyway, that's all I got on that. Yeah. 
let's uh, yeah. let's go ahead and do the week. mailbag since this CJ works. is with us to do this now. Eric, do you know what we do with our guests have, when it's I mailbag have time? No memory of what we do with your guests when it's mailbag time. I don't think I've, I think all the ones I've listened to haven't had guests on them. Well, okay. Uh, we have the guests say mailbag in a loud, obnoxious voice, however you want to say it. Please right. do it. It's typically high pitched, you know, kind of like sure. clues, clues or something. I've been more, something, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, something like mailbag, something like that. Is that what <laughs> yes. you're looking for? That, that's something like that. Great. All right. Our first email is from Christopher J. Meyer, and he's he has the subject of yay corner case, but it's not really a corner case. It says, came into my head while at work. I wanted to make sure I had it correct. Active flare controls treacherous pit dweller. Let me read him for the, the bros out there who don't know. <laughs> He's pretty treacherous, I'm not going to lie. Very treacherous. When treacherous pit dweller enters the battlefield from a graveyard, target opponent gains control of it. And then he also has undying. So, this treacherous pit dweller is enchanted with the non-active flares, Unhallowed Pact. Unhallowed Pact says, basically, when the enchanted creature dies, return it to the battlefield under your control. On the active player's turn, the non-active player casts Go for the Throat, targeting the pit dweller. After all effects resolve, where is the pit dweller? So, that's the question there. So, anyone want to try to tackle it? So it's the active player's pit dweller, it's the non-active player's uh, unhallowed pact, and it's the active Ah, player's... So, uh, I mean, I've actually had this happen to me while I was playing Magic Online. Uh In fact, with... Exactly these cards, except it was a little bit different because this player played it on his own Treacherous Pit Dweller because he didn't understand what was going to happen. But, so, the active player is going to put their trigger on the stack, right? Mm -hmm. And then the non-active player is going to put their trigger on the stack, right? Because the non-active player controls the the enchantment. Which means that the non-active player's trigger is going to resolve first and put the Pit Dweller in play under his control, sort of. (laughs) But Treacherous Pit Dweller is really interesting. Uh, in that it has that weird... Did did you explain what it does to the listeners? Yeah, you read yeah. the oracle. Okay, sorry. So it has this really interesting thing where it says, when it enters the battlefield from a graveyard, target opponent gains control of it. So because it came into play under your control, you have to choose an opponent to, to gain control of it as the non-active player. So it comes into play under your opponent's control, and then your opponent has to give it back to you. Yay! Yeah. It's really awkward. Yeah, good Also kind of hilarious. Yeah. That is. If the opponent had done nothing, he would have gotten it. And, and to round that out, it, since Undying is never what brought it back, it doesn't have a plus one, plus one counter. Oh, right. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. I don't think there's much more to say about that. I mean, uh, the, the, the important point, right, is the, uh, all, like, in the situation that Jess was describing where, where you have the unhallowed pact played by the guy, con- the, the, the player controlling the pit dweller initially, the, the important point is the difference between unhallowed pact, which is an ability that says, when this dies, it comes back and you get it, and the treacherous pit dweller first ability, which says, when this comes into play, give it away now. It's it's the the timing on those two abilities that make this card work in mysterious ways. Right. Yeah. All right. Our next question is a little more open-ended. I never even responded to the guy because I figured it would be a good thing to discuss here on the show. Uh, and we'll be going a little bit off the cuff here. But it is from a guy who calls himself Drambui. Drambui? He says, hey, guys. I hope you're all doing well. I'm doing great, Drambui. Thanks. Because I'm a casual player. I play most of my magic with my girlfriend, Hey Now, and a few close friends. <laughs> I only really got into the game last year, and since then I've bought two boxes and a fat pack of every release. That's way, uh, when I was a casual player, buying a box was, like, insane. Um, I decided that when the next set comes out, I'm going to try and enter enter games at my uh, local game store. 
I find myself very much enjoying the legalese that you folks spout in the podcast. And wow. I, much, I like spout. I very much love the logical aspect you bring. So with this in mind, what are some common rules that casual players such as myself need to be aware of when playing in a more regulated public environment for the first time? So, like I said, this is pretty open-ended. Uh, he's not even too specific of you. Yeah. So, yeah. Prob- probably some of the big rules are, are well, start start with F and M. If you're if you're making if you're making if you're making the jump from kit, kitchen table magic to tournament, start with F and M. You don't get to <laughs> so it's obvious stuff that actually uh, turns out to not be as 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 obvious. Uh, you need to play with the same deck the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. You don't get a free mulligan. Uh, a lot of people might think right. that you get a free mulligan, or even the whole mulligan system. I don't think I knew until I, I uh, yeah. Started Duel of Magic the Planeswalkers. Games. Duel of the Planeswalkers gives you a free mulligan. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. And that's and that's the the other thing is like Duel of the Planeswalker. When damage is dealt to a creature, its toughness doesn't go down. Yeah, right. I hate that. You know, yeah. So if I if you've got a four four and someone lightning bolts it, deals it three damage. It's not a 4-1. It is still mm. a 4-4 four, four that has three damage on it. And the fourth damage will kill it, but it doesn't actually reduce the toughness. Right. The, uh, uh, the new Magic Online does something similar to that. Like, oh, really? Lockers. Yeah, it's it's not quite as unclear, but it's still pretty awkward. But yeah, it's that's that's really important for players to understand is that damage does not reduce toughness. Yeah. You have you have a sideboard and but when you sit down to play a new opponent, your deck has to start off the way it was, you know. Uh you can change you can move cards on a one for one basis with your sideboard during games two and game three, maybe game four and five and six, but <laughs> when you start when you start game one, your sideboard needs to you know, your deck needs to be the same for for every game one in a constructed. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. In, in well, limited, it's a little bit different. If you're in a draft or a sealed event where you've got packs of cards to open and build a deck, uh, if it's a casual tournament or regular REL tournament, I should say, then you can switch those out. And the best the best rule of thumb, unless the head judge announces that you can't do it, the best rule of thumb uh, for whether or not you can change your deck between rounds in a limited event is whether or not you're filling out a deck list. Yep. If you filled out a deck list, you probably shouldn't be changing your uh, your deck in between rounds. But if you didn't, uh, and the head judge didn't tell you you can't, it's a safe bet that you can. Oh, one thing. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was gonna move on to a slightly if if it's still on that topic. Oh no, off topic. You're up. Oh, uh, well, I was I was gonna say make sure. And I've run into this a few times. When you're like, hey, I'm playing with a standard deck, make sure you you understand what that format means, because I've actually had the conversation of, is your deck standard? Yeah, it's my standard deck that I play with at home. <laughs> um, well, see, standard actually means something, means, you know, the current core set and the most recent, you know, two blocks of, of Magic, not the deck you just happen to play with most. Uh, yeah, so standard defines what cards you're allowed to play with, not whether or not they're your favorite cards that you like to play with a lot at home. Really? It, it comes up It comes up more often than than you would yeah, think. It comes up. If if I were if I were a new player coming into a store to play F and M, there are there are two things I would want somebody to tell me. And if you're listening to JudgeCast, you probably already know this first one, but it bears repeating. The person sitting across from you, your opponent, hopefully you're going to be making friends with them, getting to know them, because hopefully you'll see them at future Friday Night Magic events. But 
they don't necessarily have your best interests in mind because they'd like to win the game. So if you have a question, if something weird comes up, please call a judge. But like I said, if you if you're listening to Judge Cast, hopefully you already know that. Yeah. And the other the other thing that I find new players, I want to I want to piggyback on that real quick. Hit it. New players all the time when they call a judge and I come over to their match and I answer their question, they apologize for calling a oh. judge. Oh, we love it. And, Please call and, us. And I, I'm telling them, don't apologize for, for calling a judge. That's actually what I'm here for, you know? Yeah. And up. don't feel like you're you're a jerk. You're not a jerk for calling a judge. Right. No, you just want to have fun like everybody else, and that's fine. And the other thing that I was going to touch on is uh, most most players who are new to, to a sanctioned events don't understand the uh, the rules for, for uh, bribery, that kind of thing, bribery and randomly determining a winner. You know, we get those DQs where players say, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with these these things. So, I mean, just just if if you ever get into a situation where you feel like you're going to say to your opponent, I'm going to give you this object in exchange for the match result being this or vice versa. Don't don't be in that situation. Don't do that. And the other thing to not do is to say, well, we're out of time in the match. Can't we just roll a die to see who wins? Because no, don't do that. Both of those things are against the rules. And while they may seem super harmless, they're actually things that will get you disqualified from the event. So so that's and that's something that I feel like but I disqualify a player for for you know doing that when they don't know you know they they just have this look like why didn't anybody tell me why why does no one say these things so so know that that's a good one to to avoid yeah I, I've seen players uh, ask a lot sometimes if if foils are illegal I think sometimes they get the impression that someone said foils are illegal but but the, <coughs> the thing there is actually just make sure your cards aren't marked make sure you can't tell what you're about to draw before you draw it and sometimes foils tend to warp but as long as you keep them you know just bend them back or whatever another thing you probably want to do in most tournaments is make sure you use sleeves you know i never used sleeves before so i ever played in a tournament and uh generally you know if you're a kitchen table player you're not already using sleeves you probably have beat up your cards a little you probably should use some sleeves oh and speaking of kitchen table mana weaving oh yeah yeah at the kitchen at the kitchen table it's pretty common to you know it's like hey i've got this big pile of land at the end of game one so i'm just gonna take that land and stick it you know it's like two spells land two spells land two spells land there we go and then shuffle a few times you know pile shuffle or whatever yeah mana weaving is is you know is if you if you've mana weaved and then you haven't fully randomized your deck after to the point that mana weaving didn't really do anything that's cheating yep yeah so don't yeah. don't mana weave because if you do mana weave then you have to shuffle and shuffle and shuffle and you have to shuffle away that mana weave to the yeah. point that it didn't do anything and it creates a weird situation where it's like judge that person mana weaved and you look at their deck and <coughs> you know, it, 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 what was that noise? Yeah, what was that noise? Thank you, Jess. <laughs> that was the, that I was couldn't the, let that one go. That was the Florida swamp frog who acts as a judge at, at Ryan's FM, uh, disqualifying this player for uh, for mana weed. I'm pretty sure. Yes, that's what it was, a Florida swamp frog. <laughs> I think that's the thing in the Everglades, probably. <laughs> Sure. All right. Well, does anyone have I am not calling you Swamp Frogs with the exception of Turner. <laughs> I probably might... just started a war. 
I might actually be crying over that. Like I have, te- I have tears. All right, guys. Well, I, I think that was pretty great for something that was kind of off the cuff. I think I think we hit some good ones there. Yeah, uh, we did a good job. Is there anything else we recently that's that we should uh, that we should cover on Judge Cast? Battle of Wits. We got a we had an email from a, a guy asking basically if there was some he had some concerns about Battle of Wits legality. Yeah, we got we got more emails. What are we, what are we doing here? Although Brian threw my, I was going to try to say this guy's name, and it would have been fun, but now I'm not gonna. Well, well then, well then, here through the power of editing. No. Back in time. There we go. CJ, take it away. All right. Our next email comes from Sean Samuels, but I like the name in his email address more, which is Roberto da Costa. Roberto. <laughs> I don't really understand that. It's it's signed Sean Samuels, but it's from Roberto de Costa. I, I don't get it. Whatever. And I'm not going to edit everything we just said, so <laughs> Battle of Wits. Let's, I, say, I hope you leave it in. Yeah, let's just leave it. Let's talk about Battle of Wits, though. The, the concern I is... I love talking about Battle of Wits. I hate talking yes. about Battle So, But the concern is, can someone physically shuffle fast enough to even legally play Battle of Wits? Well, I mean, I don't think that... I don't think that's a fair Man. question. Yeah. Because I can guarantee you that someone can do it. Okay. Um, there, there, there is a greater than zero number of people that can that can do this. Yeah. You might not be able to. I can't. But right now. I mean, I, I can put on my crotchety old band beard and say, I used to play Battle of Wits in sanctioned tournaments. But I mean, I don't. I, that was a while ago. I, I don't know. Like, maybe can I can we, can we just snip that part out and, like... <laughs> Do, do something with it. Oh God! <laughs> I've given you ammunition again. Yes, <laughs> I think that that should be like our intro for every show it from should. here on out. It's going to be. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I used to play Battle of Wits. <laughs> I have to shuffle my deck uphill both ways. <laughs> no, but really, keep I, going. I, keep going. <laughs> no, that's a different. That's 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 like. <laughs> crotchety old dehydrated man cast but no, yeah this, this... it's been like that ever since we added brian <laughs> oh. oh uh moss cast but fair but fair <laughs> hey, I'm moss cast even you at <laughs> two levine <laughs> here to help. you brought me here to help but seriously though like i have both shuffled and seen people shuffle battle of wits in the allotted time, in a manner that I considered sufficiently random. So, I mean, from from kind of an experiential standpoint, I'd say, yeah, you can do it, but you better practice. Yeah. And and if you're if you're concerned about it, I would actually probably take it and show the judge before even the event starts. It's like this right here is how I shuffle. Is this good enough? Good you know, you're not you're not you're not gonna you're not necessarily going to know if you're always going to be able to shuffle thoroughly. You know, but if he looks at that and says, "Yes, you are doing a good job," then you you kind of it kind of gives you a baseline. If he looks at it and says, "Like, no, that's not that's not good enough." Then that that also gives you a, a, an idea of what you need to improve on. So it doesn't yeah. necessarily, like I said, it doesn't mean that you're good. You're going to be good every time. I mean, you still need to, you know, you know, each each time is unique, but it'll let you know if you can't do it. Right. All right. Anything else? Next question. Your face. Or to my face. <laughs> All right. So this question comes from Carl from Colorado. He asks. Uh, his question is about priority when it comes to planeswalkers. So I think yeah, he actually asked he asked for clarification too that might have been a, 
I, ans- I answered the question after judge dinner, and I might have had a few beers in me. <laughs> so that might explain why it was like, yeah, grammar was bad. That's fine. His yeah, question's glad- so good. Uh, this question is basically, my opponent played a Jace Bellerin, and it, then it resolved, and after resolution, I tried to lightning bolt it, but he said I didn't have priority, and he was able to activate one of Jace's abilities before I could bolt him. So, And what he did was he did plus two, so now Jace Bellerin is out of range for a lightning bolt. Carl's confusion comes. He thinks he thought that Planeswalker abilities were activated as a sorcery, and he could, you know, he should be able to respond to them. He's asking, can you not respond to them at all, or just not when they're first cast activated? You can. So, so here's here's how it works. After a spell resolves, which the Planeswalker is a spell, the active player gets priority. So after after Jace after Jace resolves, the person that cast Jace, okay, the active player has priority, okay? And when he decides to activate Jace's Jace's ability, uh, putting counters on, unlike a lot of other things where putting counters on, like plus one, plus one counters, is the result of a spell or ability resolving, in the case of Planeswalkers, putting the counters on or taking the counters off is actually part of the cost. It's in a lot of ways it's like paying mana for a spell. Okay. It's 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 the thing you do in order to put it on the stack. So you say, I'm going to activate Jace's ability. Uh uh you 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 put the ability on the on the stack, you pay the cost, which is putting the counters on Jace in this particular case. Then once all that's been done, now players get a uh, uh get priority and they can respond with the ability on the stack. So I think what he was trying to do is it's not the abilities on the stack and when the ability resolves, then it gets the counters. Cause if that was the case, yes, you would be able to, to, to bolt Jace, but, right. but the way it works is the counters are on it. When you get priority to uh, cast your lightning bolt, the counters are already there. All right. So our last question, if you want to email us a rules question or any kind of question at all, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. I started to forget it there for a second, but I got it. And like or, us on Facebook. Holy like crap, us like Facebook. us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash judgecast. Facebook, 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 Ravenfox, Ravenfox, Ravenfox. Uh-huh. Eric, thank <laughs> yes. you very much for being on. Thank I you think for having me. Had that a was fun. very informative. Uh, thank you. Even though I wasn't here at the beginning. Maybe I'll just edit myself in just saying things here and there. Sure, that's fine. <laughs> sure, whatever. <laughs> It'll be just as random as you normally are. Yeah, that's just about right. Yes. Eric, you got any ways that you want people to contact you? Anything like that? Oh, sure. Um, There's a couple ways that you can do that. I am on Twitter at Raging Levine. That's r- the word raging followed by L-E-V-I-N-E. And then if you want to check out my blog, I'm because I'm moving to Amherst, which is like the, the Pioneer Valley is like this this blasted landscape of, you know, beautiful mountains and trees and so on, not a magic shop in sight. I'm going to be chronicling my, my Pioneer Valley magic playing adventures at ragingleveden.wordpress.com. So uh, check me out in one of those, those two places and read my articles on Channel Fireball. All right. Well, Let's thank you it. for listening to JudgeCast. Once again, Woo! I'm Jess Dunks, and I keep it fun. I'm CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Brian Perlman. I, I, yeah, I, I'm out of ideas. You keep it real, Brian. I keep it real. (laughs) 
I'm podcasting in my underwear. Yeah. Oh, I've done that I'm, before. We're PG-13 rated Judge <laughs> oh, Cast man. this evening. Oh, yeah. We we may or may not have had R-rated Judge Cast before, and you just didn't know it. Yeah. Oh, back in my days, <laughs> uh, little Richie Garfield and I used to play Battle of Wits. Mm. We used to put all our lightning bolts in a big pile and see who won. You know that kind of thing. I <laughs> I used to put I used to put Battle of Wits in the spokes of my bicycle so I could hear them go clickety clickety click as I rolled <laughs> down the street. Siege. No, sorry, my wife is not understanding the importance of a podcast, and then she had to bring every cat into here. Yeah. <laughs> okay then. Can you put yeah, it's, kitty, it's kitty cast. <laughs> kitty cast. Kitty cast. Goodbye. Good night, everybody. <laughs>